It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is your Times Daily World Briefing for Tuesday the 4th of October. I'm Steve Forbes. And I'm Bev Rimmer. Tokyo's residents take cover as North Korea fires a ballistic missile over Japan. In light of this situation, we will continue to examine all options, including so-called counter-attack capabilities. And Ukraine talks tactics ahead of winter. You cannot fight just with your left hand if you are boxing. You need to use at least all your capacity if you want to win. Times of London Daily World Briefing. To Japan first, where people have been forced to take cover and public transport was halted after North Korea fired a ballistic missile over the country. It's the first time in five years this has happened, and it's believed the weapon travelled 2,850 miles, which Tokyo claims may be the longest distance travelled for a North Korean test flight. The Japanese government said it did not use any defence measures to destroy the missile, but warned that North Korea poses a serious challenge to the entire international community. Japanese Defense Minister Yasukazu Hamada has called North Korea's actions barbaric. In light of this situation, we will continue to examine all options, including so-called counter-attack capabilities, and not rule out anything as we continue to work to fundamentally strengthen our defense abilities. The UN prohibits North Korea from testing ballistic and nuclear weapons, Flying missiles towards or over other countries without any pre-warning or consultation also contravenes international norms. Richard Lloyd Parry is The Times of London's Asia editor in Tokyo. He says it was of no danger to the Japanese people. Now, technically, this, this missile flew over Japan, and this is what has greatly upset and exercised the, the Japanese government. You have to put these things in, in uh, perspective, really. It flew over Japan in the way that the International Space Station or commercial satellites fly over Japan. So it was a thousand kilometres in the air. However, this is the most significant launch by North Korea since January, when it fired an intermediate-range missile capable of reaching the US territory of Guam. US National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said he had consulted with Japanese counterparts over possible responses to the missile launch and reinforced the United States' ironclad commitments to the defense of Japan. 
Reports from Ukraine say that Volodymyr Zelensky's army has pushed through a major Russian stronghold on the Dnieper River near Kherson. The president says there are new liberated settlements in several regions. Every day, at least twice in the morning and in the evening, I receive reports from our military. This week, the largest part of the reports is the list of settlements liberated from the enemy within the scope of our ongoing defensive operation. The story of the liberation of Lehman in the Donetsk region has now become the most popular in the media, but the successes of our soldiers are not limited to Lehman. Analyzing the breakthrough and what it means for Ukraine is Anthony Lloyd for the Times of London. The war correspondent is in Donbass. The town was taken with remarkably little fighting. There were a few dead Russian soldiers on the edge and the outskirts, but most of the Ukrainian soldiers I spoke on the inside said they'd gone in and expected a heavy battle. In fact, there are a few skirmishes with a light kind of screen of Russian soldiers left to protect the withdrawal of other Russian units who'd left several days and in some cases several weeks before. So that was a major a major victory in the Donbass because it's a communications hub. However, it was taken without much of a fight. And the reason Ukrainian soldiers said for that was there had been a dramatic reduction in Russian artillery power and Russian numbers over the preceding few weeks, mainly because Russian soldiers being sent from the Donbass down to the south, but also because the long-range artillery that the Ukrainians have got from the west, which is now striking at Russian munitions depots, far, far behind the line. The war has been raging for eight months now, and with winter approaching, there's even more concern for those involved. Andrei Osadchuk is a Ukrainian MP with the Liberal and pro-European Holos Party. The winter will be difficult. First of all, we emotionally very well prepared for that. And we emotionally already won this war because uh, nothing can surprise us at all. So that's why we insist on continuation of uh, maximum pressure on Kremlin from Western side. We insist on extension of sanction regime. We all together, we lost sanction war. And you know why? Because we were very liberal. We were using sanctions as a, you know, as a disciplinary fine, something like that. But the sanction is a tool of warfare. You cannot fight just with the left hand if you are boxing. You need to use at least all your capacity if you want to win. On the way, Iran blames other nations for Masha Amini's death and the UK plans a controversial new law on seeking asylum. Times of London Daily World Briefing. The supreme leader of Iran has blamed the US and Israel over protests sparked by the death of a young woman whilst in police custody. Clashes with police began on the streets of Tehran after 22-year-old Masa Amini died days after falling into a coma whilst being detained by morality police. She had allegedly broken the strict law requiring women to cover their hair with a hijab or headscarf. In his first public comments on the unrest, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei said riots had been engineered by Iran's arch enemies and their allies. I say clearly that these riots and insecurities were designed by America and the usurping and fake Zionist regime, those who take their salaries and some treacherous Iranians abroad 
helped them. The U.S. has condemned the comments, with President Biden saying he was gravely concerned about reports of the intensifying violent crackdowns on peaceful protesters. Protesters have taken to the streets across 31 Iranian provinces and in other countries, including Turkey, Lebanon and France, in defiance of the Islamic Republic's treatment of women. Shaheen Gobadi, member of the Foreign Affairs Committee of the National Council of Resistance in Iran, told Times Radio that this is a build-up of 40 years of repression. It's misguided policies, it's misogynist attitude toward women, it's sponsoring terrorism instead of thinking of the welfare of the Iranian people. So basically, people have had enough. People are now targeting the regime in its entirety and the supreme leader, and they will not stop until they get there. Iranian state TV claims that 41 demonstrators have died since the protest began on the 17th of September. But Norwegian-based group Iran Human Rights estimates the figure to be more than 130 people. More than 33,000 people have crossed the English Channel in small boats this year, aiming to seek asylum in the United Kingdom. Now the British Home Secretary is outlining plans for a new law that would ban this from happening, no matter the circumstances that caused someone to make the incredibly dangerous journey. Suella Braverman is making a speech with more details at her Conservative Party conference. Ali Mirage is a former advisor to the Conservative Party and says that the British government needs to be working closely with France on this going forward. That £54 million plan that we were trying to work on with the French is not working. It's got to be revisited now. And in fact, the French had pulled out, citing the fact that, that, that when uh, Liz Truss was asked whether Emmanuel Macron was friend or foe, she said the jury was out. This is not a game. This is serious stuff. We need their support. And I think Suella Braverman is going to have to get on and deliver as quickly as possible. The Times Daily World Briefing. Sport. With the latest on huge frustrations for the world's number one female tennis star, here's John Jackson. World number one tennis player Iga Swiatek has announced she won't play for Poland in next month's Billie Jean King Cup finals in Glasgow, hitting out at scheduling and the lack of travel time. The tournament begins on November the 8th, just one day after the season-ending WTA finals in Fort Worth, Texas. The 21-year-old says she's disappointed that tennis governing bodies didn't come to an agreement on something as basic as the calendar of tournaments, giving the players only one day to travel through the globe and changing the time zone. While the WTA finals are organised by the women's tennis body, the Billie Jean King Cup, previously known as the Federation Cup, is run by the International Tennis Federation. She went on to say that the situation is not safe for players' health and could cause injury, also siding with fans who want to see the best players in action. The Times Daily World Briefing. Entertainment. If you don't remember this from the Oscars this year, where were you? I'm out here. Uh-oh, Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. That was the moment Will Smith slapped Chris Rock on stage and got himself banned from the Academy Awards for 10 years. His first movie since the outburst will be released in a couple of months' time, meaning it could end up being nominated for next year's prizes. Emancipation follows the story of a man who escapes from slavery, and it was filmed before the infamous slap. It's out in cinemas from the 2nd of December. 
And finally, in the depths of Antarctica, four women will be running the world's most remote post office. They'll head to Gudia Island for five months and will also manage the site's museum and help count penguins. Mary Hilton is one of them and beat around 4,000 others to the job. The island that we're staying on is about the size of a football pitch, so it's got the post office and the museum, um, and then we'll have a lot of visitors coming in every day, so there'll be our core team in the area, but we'll be getting um, yeah, lots of visitors every day, so it won't just be us. They will work in almost continuous daylight, handling 80,000 postcards from tourists arriving on cruise ships that visit twice a day at their peak. They'll have no running water and little electricity, and will have all the joys of sharing a cabin. And that's your Times Daily World Briefing for Tuesday the 4th of October. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts. 